Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, whether that's Apple or Android. Also, you can find us on Dash Radio every single day at 7 p.m. Download the Dash Radio app for free. Search for Nothing But Net. You will find us at 7 p.m. Also, my new show on OnSideRadio.com with plenty of guests from the Five Reasons Sports Network. That's 10 to 12 every single day on all South Florida sports. And FiveReasonsSports.com. As we speak, Brady Hawk has just posted his latest takeaways piece from the Heat's latest loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Also want to tell you about the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that includes Prize Picks. We've been telling you about them a lot lately. Go to prizepicks.com, use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, the promo code 5, and you'll get bonuses there. This is the place to play daily fantasy. They've just added the single stat categories so you don't have to guess about fantasy points or any of that sort of stuff. You think LeBron's going to score more than 26 points? You go over. You think that Durant's going to score less than 27.5? You go under. You pair them together, and you win. So go to prizepicks.com, the code 5. Everybody we've sent there has stopped doing other daily fantasies. So again, prizepicks.com. And now, tonight's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor. A daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Uh, with me for this episode is Alex Toledo, no Ethan Skolnick. Uh, we are going to uh, react to the Heat loss up in Brooklyn, uh, the second uh, of the two games up uh, there, they're doing these weird sets where you play two games uh, in one city. Uh, they lose 98-85. Uh, the score is not indicative of how competitive the game was for a large stretch, but um, the Heat ultimately ran out of gas at the end. And um, I think at one point it was 15-0. I saw one of the runs, and uh, I don't know how it ended. Um, but we know that they were outscored 28-14 in the fourth quarter and ultimately just could not uh, muster up enough offense. Uh, they were undermanned. Um, but I think there's still positives to take from this. Uh, moral victories are about to go out the window at 6-10. and 10, you're, you're almost at the point where I think the moral victory stuff's going to have to get shelved. But Jimmy's going to be back soon. Avery will be, be back soon. Uh, Tyler Hero will be back soon. You're back home. So I think there's lots of things to look at going forward. Um, but Alex, immediate reactions to the game tonight. Well, my immediate reaction is it was really competitive. I really loved their effort throughout the game right up until, you know, kind of the fourth quarter and mostly the end of that fourth quarter where I just think they had a lot of lapses and just a lot of mistakes all at once just racking up. And all of a sudden, you know, they're down 15 or whatever after kind of being up for most of the game or at the very worst, you know, if they did go down, it was by a couple of points. I think that the, the the Nets' biggest lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter had been three points in that game. So the, the Heat had done a great job uh, controlling the game, keeping it at bay, and playing defense, which has been kind of an inconsistent thing for them, especially, you know, with Jimmy and Avery out. 
they're just constantly putting out uh, lineups with three or four bad defenders or three or four subpar defenders, I should say. And they did a good job tonight against a team that you would think would be extremely hard to guard without some of your best defenders. And they obviously did some stuff there that I thought was really interesting. And I think we could kind of get into uh, as far as what a matchup would look like with the Nets, just because the way that they defended was was very interesting. It wasn't your typical uh, man defense. They went a lot of different ways. And, you know, they did the same thing in the first game. And so I'm interested in that as well. But to me, like, I pretty much loved everything we saw. I think they ran out of gas and there was just too many lapses at the end. I would love to see these two teams match up healthy. Yeah, no, that that's it right there. Like, I, I left the, the two games set despite having two losses, not scared of Brooklyn, um, feeling actually quietly confident if you factor in having everybody available and also um, with the heightened um, awareness and shortened rotations that come with playoff time. Uh, I'm interested in that because at, to your point, like they did it on defense tonight. They held them to 40% shooting from the field, 28.9% uh, shooting from three, and they slowed the game down. And uh, they switched up their defenses. Uh, I know I saw two or three different looks that um, that weren't necessarily so recognizable to me. Like I didn't immediately, they didn't jump off uh, the page as to what the heck they were doing. Um, and it confused them just enough for them to stay in the game. And then obviously just uh, the, the lid went on the basket at the wrong moment. Um, but yeah, like let's, First, let's chop up what we saw tonight. And then I do want to kind of get into what this would look like as a matchup going forward. I mean, Bam Adebayo, let's start there. Because we just watched two games in a row where Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden are all on the floor. And Bam Adebayo was the best player on the, on, on the basketball court. Um, so, like, that takeaway in itself That's is ridiculous. probably um, more impactful and valuable than uh, maybe even splitting this, se this series would have been. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous with that that take there. And it's really not a crazy one. And look, anybody, any other casual fan that's not a Heat fan listening to this, uh, you know, we'll just say it's a regular season game. Durant, Harden, Kyrie are not getting up for this. And and that can be reflected in the way that they kind of play. You know, they, they move the ball around a lot, which is great for them. You know, that's, that's what you would hope for if you're a Nets fan. But just kind of like, I know what these guys look like in the playoffs. And look, that's not a good thing for Harden. But I know what these guys look like as far as the effort and, and – and it wasn't there, but like, it's true what you're saying. Like Bam is just, he's checked off all the boxes, right? Like, yeah, I think the, all the boxes on impact affecting a game on both ends of the floor, he checked them all off. And now the final one that we've been talking about for the past year or so, it's just, it's, it's happening. It's happening before our eyes. Like he's taking all the jumpers that everybody wanted him to take. And look, my preference has always been, you know, I would like him to mix in some more drives with the jumpers because I think he really likes that jumper. I think he really wants to be Kevin yeah. Garnett. He, now he's really falling in love with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I don't hate it. Like, he went 10 for 19 tonight. I love the confidence that he has with it. Uh, I think eventually he's going to start mixing in the drives more when guys start playing up on him a little bit. But I love what we're seeing from Bam. Like, if he can do this for you, I'm not saying he's going to be able to do it against every team. Like, you know, you got DeAndre Jordan dropping back so low where it's like that he's he knows he's going to have the jumper there for him. But if he can start scoring on command that way, just in general, that That's is huge. a huge, that is a huge thing to happen for the Heat, especially for their playoff chances. And honestly, if that's a real thing, like they might have a better shot than last year. Obviously, the Brooklyn thing kind of changes things. And I think we all know that they're a move or two off maybe from having a an optimate, an, an, uh, sorry, an optimal roster. But the BAM thing, that changes things for you, man.
I mean, you talk about Bam with offense, like on demand. They subbed him in at the end of that quarter to get him that look where he essentially <laughs> was fading out of bounds to, to bank in a three-point shot. And I think it really spoke to that Spolstra could tell that Bam was feeling himself and that he's like in a groove and, and, and the shot was falling and the touch was there. And you're right. Like the more that that becomes a reality that can be translated game over game over game, um, it, it's going to make for an interesting uh, pecking order between him and Jimmy, but also just to supplement the things like we saw Jimmy have to just put the team on his back offensively and Bam, obviously when you see Bam now, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent in that final series. And if you had this kind of Bam Adebayo alongside Jimmy Butler in that series, it's a totally different ball game. So um, I walk away from this feeling pretty good, despite the fact that obviously you never want to, um, uh, you know, lose, you know, what have they lost now? I think it's been um, six out of eight. So that, that, that's not good. Three and, or four. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I, I do want to highlight some of the low, the low points before we um, uh, kind of get into a couple other things I want to throw at you and, and we'll get into the Brooklyn Miami playoff stuff too. Um, Duncan Robinson just had an off night, like one of 10 from the field, one of 10 from three, like all the so shots weird. were from there. He couldn't hit him. He kept trying. Uh, those nights are going to come. I kind of just chuck that up to it is what yeah. it is. That wide open um, when he misses, when you knew like, oh, it's, yeah, where you kind of thought about night. it. And he like, it's like, nah, just let it fly, man. That was um, yeah. uh, definitely uh, Ke- Kelly Olenek, Casey Akpala, they neither one of them were necessarily that effective. I think like, you know, there were moments where you thought they could turn a corner, but it obviously didn't uh, materialize. And Kendrick Nunn, despite having 11 points, he had the most frustrating five of 17, one of eight from three game. Um, I know they needed offense, so he was probably going to force things here or there, but it was particularly frustrating to watch. There was a lot of um, kind of just empty possessions. I felt like, and, uh, and I know that that fr- that was something that's frustrated you. You talked about it before we started the show, Alex. Yeah, that might've been a little bit of an understatement, like watching Kendrick Nunn this game. And and look, I thought he looked pretty damn good those past few games, just like everybody else did. He looked like the Kendrick Nunn from last season, but I was always skeptical that he was going to be able to sustain it, man. I, I, I'm just not that high on his game. Like, I just think his game is very up and down because there's not a lot of, I don't know what's the way to put this. Like, there's not a lot of thought that goes into his game. I feel like there's a lot of, well, it, the, the mental stuff with him is confidence or no confidence, right? And, of course, you want him to be confident. He's a shot maker. That's what got him, you know, second place in rookie of the year voting. You want him to be a shot maker for them when he is on the floor, when he is playing. So I, I don't mind him being confident. The problem is a lot of times when he's out there, if he's, you know, if he's not out there next to Gore and Bam, like if he, if he has to be the initiator, like, oh, boy, it's going to get ugly quick. It's going to get ugly quick. Like, I think he's gotten a little better this season, uh, you know, kind of handling the ball and pick and roll. But even still, he's so limited as a playmaker, so limited as a defender. And I know he's trying. He's active. It's good. I like seeing that. But I just – I don't like seeing the extended Kendrick Nunn experience. Like, I'm excited for Jimmy and Avery to be back. Right. Uh, Yeah, get all the guards back. There's, I mean, even Jimmy, you know, you kind of consider him one of those guys that would fill that role of, of if anyone's going to pound the rock and take a jump shot, like, uh, or or try to get to the basket and kind of flail out it, flail out it, let it be Jimmy, not, not Kendrick Nunn. Um, And hopefully, you know, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. I mean, the the, the decision-making with Nunn just like, 
it leaves a lot to be desired, man. It really does. Now that, on both that, ends of the court, like it was, there was especially like those last few minutes. It, it definitely wasn't all on him. The whole team kind of collapsed on itself. They couldn't find any type of offense, and you know their actions would 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 die, and then that was it, right? Like they were all just kind of looking at each other, trying to see who was open or who can create an opening somehow. And you know it wasn't all on Kendrick Nunn, but my God, did he have like several lapses in a row like on several possessions and it was just tough to watch I couldn't stand watching him get matched up on James Harden at the end of the game because and then you know Dragic was switching on to him none was switching on to him and I just by the way I can't stand that whole thing where like you switch on to a guy when it's unnecessary I I, that's one thing with, with switching in the league where it's like I wish teams would be a little bit more decisive about yeah, when like to switch. have the discernment to to not switch when it's not appropriate why was goron switching on to harden yeah that's it's like not the gonna end well yeah that's- and then you had none guarding him one-on-one like before a screen like it was just so weird i understand they're under man they didn't really have a lot of options but that yeah. was just like well nothing good is gonna happen nothing, if those guys are, are checking james harden that's and- true but, yeah. but Gorn was good offensively. I mean, like he yeah. he essentially was the only guy that that kind of showed up with Bam. And and there's a part of me as I look through and I um I was checking Gorn's averages. He's averaging 26 minutes a game. That would actually be the lowest minutes he's ever ever averaged since he arrived in Miami. So they are managing him to some degree. I think that that's uh, something that's gotten a little overlooked. He's also shooting 47% from the field. I, I didn't realize that. That's uh, three percentage points higher than he was last year. So like we're getting the best of Gorn. Hopefully that's not going to um, some be something that's time sensitive and, and kind of, uh, you know, teeters out as the season goes by. Cause he, he was a real bright spot again. Um, we, we just keep saying that over and over again. Uh, yeah, I feel good about Goron, man. I really do. I mean, he's probably the outside of the Goron, I mean, uh, the Bam Duncan dribble handoff, the most, I feel like the most reliable offense is the Goron Bam pick and roll. Like it's that's so true. damn good. Especially when you got DeAndre Jordan guarding it. Like, oh my God, it's just money every time. Like he he can't, you can't guard Goron and Bam at the same time off that pick and roll, especially if you're as slow and lumbering as DeAndre Jordan. And and they're just, it's, it's what happened in the Boston series too with Daniel Tice. Like you get these bigs who just can't contain Goron and Bam at the same time. And, and you're going to get stuff off of it. And that's why I think we're going to see Goron start in the playoffs. And as you talk about playoffs, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Brooklyn and Miami and what that playoff series may look like if both teams were 100% healthy. And then I have a final question that I just want to unpack with you, Alex. Um, I haven't prepped you for it. You have no idea where I'm going with it, but I think it's a worthy call out. So we're going to uh, discuss something related to the heat um, and and the roster construction. Um, But uh, first, a word from our sponsors. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You know, Knicks are no good in the NBA. You're familiar with that? The Knicks are no good? Well, Knicks are no good when you're shaving certain parts of your body either. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. I never thought I would actually say that on a podcast and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, 
I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Make sure you trim yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN at manscaped.com. And now this is where I end my career. Your balls will thank you. And now back to the episode. Welcome back. So Greg Sylvander here, uh, Alex Toledo is with me. Um, we're going to pick back up right where we left off related to Brooklyn and Miami. I want to talk about a, a playoff series related to those two teams. Um, Alex, cause you alluded to it early in this conversation. And I think like when, when, when you leave a two game series like that with a team that everybody is crowned as the juggernaut of the East, that is immediately where heat fans go. Cause we think that this regular season is kind of like warm up time and, ultimately seeding and stuff like that is maybe won't be as as crucial and and playoffs is what matters right so what would a playoff series look like and i would imagine you would have jimmy and tyler back in the starting lineup i don't know the other implications from the rotations perspective but i'd imagine avery bradley will be highly involved in that series Uh, i'm interested because you are actually um even though you won't ever admit it but i'll get you to eventually you're more savvy than i with the x's and o's stuff undoubtedly like What do you think um, from a matchup perspective? Like, how do you see, uh, would there be lots of cross matches? Do you see Bam on KD? Who does Jimmy go with James Harden and then Avery Bradley on Kyrie? Is, Is that like, am I connecting the dots that easy? I think honestly, that's probably the best way to do it, especially as a closing thing. Like I would love to see Avery Bradley start versus the Nets in the playoff series. I really would. And you know me, like I've been for starting Tyler, with Duncan and with Jimmy and with Bam and, and seeing those four trying to see if they can play together since last year, I've been, I've been clamoring for these minutes. So I, it's not about Tyler, but I think in that situation, I, me as somebody who is absolutely not qualified to make these decisions, I would bench Tyler for Avery Bradley. Like I think that situation just becomes so much easier to deal with when you've got Avery checking Kyrie, you've got Jimmy on Harden and you've got Bam on KD. And another thing you could do maybe, is uh, you know you seed the matchup to Kyrie if you if you really want to start a good Tyler point. there. But I mean, or maybe Kyrie but, can't guard Tyler. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, there you go. There you go. That's true. But uh, and you know maybe you seed that matchup and bring Andre in so you don't put KD. I mean, uh, Bam to guard KD the whole time. You know, Andre maybe takes him on for half the game, most of the game, and you know they're gonna be switching regardless. So it, Bam will take on KD off a switch or at the end of a possession. But I could see things like that happening. And as far as the, de- the defensive scheme, like I'm interested in seeing more of what we saw tonight. I think like we saw a lot of different coverages, but there was one where, you know, a lot of times that we would see guys, uh, heat defenders helping off of the corners mm-hmm. and kind of uh, in order to stop some of the stars. I, I think you saw Harding get trapped a whole lot where like he would get the ball and it would be somebody who can't guard him on him. And then all of a sudden you see the second guy help and, I think – I don't know who made this decision, if it was D'Antoni or Nash, where in the fourth quarter they started kind of getting hip to that and they put Durant in that little wing right next 
to to Harden because they knew that every time Harden yeah, got the ball, can't leave him. Yeah, they were gonna try to help at the nail. Like they wouldn't necessarily send a double team, a full double team, but they would help at the kind of the top part of the arc. And if you're helping off of Kevin Durant, like, and yeah. it, it led Those to like curtains. three, four straight open shots there. It was driving me insane. But that, that was smart coaching by 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 the Nets to, to place him there after seeing the way that the Nets were. I mean, that the Heat were defending. Yeah, because the then James got straight to the zones. cup. Yeah, 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 no, and Harden turned on the the scoring. I mean, he, when he turns it on, he could just get to that step back or get to the cup, depending on how the, the guy is defending him. Uh, pretty much anytime he wants. So it's a real problem. I think I would love to have Jimmy there just because he's so strong. He could absorb the contact that Harden uh, gives him when he tries to go to the rim. He could he can contest the step the step back as well as you know you can. And that's why I think. I, I still will go with Avery starting. I really would. Like, I, I would love to That's see. That's a bold take. That is a bold take. I don't, it, I don't know it, that Spo would do that. I think Hero has kind of, like, been ushered into that starting spot. But I understand yeah. the, the inspiration behind what you're saying. Cause just and we're talking about Hero, too. And, and like, I, I just said, like, a minute ago that I think Goran is going to start in the playoffs. So yeah, so before, that's true. It's like who does sit finally? I mean, Duncan Robinson. I don't know. I mean, the I was way like, I'm, I'm clamoring to to bench Tyler. I'm really not even trying to do that. It's just nah. I, I think I I think Spo knows how comfortable he is with that Goran pick and roll, and it took him to another level when when he started last year. Maybe he won't be the same guy because without the uh, you know, three three months rest that they got before the bubble. But that's why I said like I think the Nets are not unbeatable. I'm still afraid of them because of how hard it is to guard them especially in a seven game series i just think it's you have to be on <laughs> you have to be giving a hundred percent effort on defense all the time yeah. got to be on a string and this team obviously we haven't seen them healthy yet uh, we haven't we haven't seen that yet we haven't seen a consistent stretch of great defense from them we saw some great defense tonight really so i'm i'm proud of that so i think this it, it'll be a really interesting match so how, how are you feeling about it right now I mean, I felt like the Heat looked a couple bodies away, and that's exactly what they were. Um, I, uh, I'm i interested, actually, in a playoff series, and this is, like, fire-in-the-eyes stuff that a lot of people laugh at, but, like, honestly, when you watch the way that Jimmy emotionally controlled some of those series, like with Giannis and, and, and George Hill looking with the side look shook because he just got his bike, you know, stolen, like, like – I'm interested to see Bam not being necessarily a guy who gets rattled easily. And then you have like kind of alpha Jimmy in the, in the room. I'm just interested to see what that looks like against that trio. Um, because, you know, that's a lot of egos and a lot of, uh, you know, they've came up huge and big moments. So um, I, I just, I'm interested to see that kind of chess match of those guys going at it competitively. Um, I can't really quantify that. It's just, I don't think that we can really, evaluate the heat against the nets um coherently without the jimmy factor and all, all you can walk away from this part of it is is knowing that that whatever they were doing against bam it wasn't working and uh and this is like the this is actually going to lead directly into where i wanted to to end tonight because like this is something that the more that i watch this team i'm having a hard time reconciling what the front office was thinking about the front court selection next to Adebayo. I just don't get it. Like the, I, I tried to initially think about Mo Harkless as the, as the replacement. I felt like maybe that was like what the initial prognosis was. And he obviously can't guard up that way. And he's not going to be a four. 
Casey Akpala has been inconsistent. Kelly Olenek's been inconsistent. Andre Iguodala can't start all the time. So like, to me, there's a real hole there. And I know we talk a lot about it, but there's like, there's a part of me that just wonders like, how could you start the season with that big of a hole? And I just don't see who they could have even in a, in an optimist view have said that's the guy that's going to be able to flank Bam in the front court. Alex, I mean, do you see like what let you be the sunshine pumper and the, and the heat culture guy and, and talk me into this heat roster and the front court options next to Bam. All right. So to me, there's two sides of this coin and I'm kind of, I've been, uh, (laughs) I want to steal a phrase from a podcast that, I listen to that I love from greatest of all talk podcast with uh, Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp. They have a phrase that they use. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the exact wording of it. Right. I, I want to say, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm messing this up right now. Jesus Christ. It's okay. Oh, it's fence sitting pigs. I'm being a fence sitting pig right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I've been with this team when it comes to, you know, the option at the four, but, I think the clear thing has been there is a hole at the four. That's the obvious thing that's missing from this roster, a starting four that you can be confident in to How play. How they have missed it? I don't get it. So to me, there's two ways of thinking on this, at least in my opinion. Like, I think they can make it through the regular season without making a trade for a four. I think they can get away with a similar rotation to what they have now, whether it's Kelly starting or not. I'm 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 okay with Kelly starting for the regular season, knowing that he won't be a closer. Um, and the second, <laughs> the second point that comes to this naturally is the 37-year-old Andre Iguodala, right? And I think what happens with him and his three-point shooting in the playoffs is going to be really, really important for the Heat if they don't make a trade, because I think he's going to be getting a lot of those minutes at the four. We've seen him pretty much play primarily as a four this season, and he did a lot of that during the bubble as well. And I've been I've been high on him, man. Every time uh, you know me and Ethan have been in a game, I'm always commenting. You, you see what Andre just did, man. You see what Andre just did. Like I, I think he's underrated. I love what he does on defense. I really do think he can guard up. I think he's strong. You know, he's obviously not in his athletic prime. He's not some shutdown defender, but he's still a really smart defender who gets in the lanes and who takes the right angles and knows what's going on in a game at all times. And look, I, I love what he brings. You just can't play him 30 minutes a game. No, that's what I mean. Like, even though he does all those things, like that couldn't have been when they're sitting in the room with the roster up on the whiteboard, they're not saying, okay, Iguodala is the, is the guy, you know, next to Bam in the front court. And maybe like you could have thought. They had Olenek, to have thought Mo was going to be playable. That, that's what I think. Right. It's like Mo, 15, Har- Mo Harkless has not been able to fill that Jay Crowder void and Kelly Olynyk, maybe they thought contract year, you would get like a, a different Kelly Olynyk, a maximized, I want to get a new contract Kelly Olynyk. Um, other than that, like it gets weird with KZ because there's been such a short leash there and there wasn't a lot kind of going into the season. So I don't think that they would have necessarily put all their eggs in that basket. So it really like, it, it makes me think that it was Mo Harkless or bust. And the only other thing could be, I guess, once you pass the trade deadline or the um, the deadline where guys who um, just sign their contracts can be traded. I forgot. It's February something uh, like Myers Leonard is a nine million dollar player that you could, oh, maybe, you know, 
uh, yeah, put together with Mo Harkless and go get somebody. So maybe they evaluated the remaining options in the free agent market and said, we would rather swing a trade that way. And Myers, uh, you know, agree to waive your no trade clause if we give you $9 million. So yeah. maybe that's the option and I'm overthinking it. But just the more that I watch this team, I just, I can't understand what they went into this season thinking that they had because yeah. it's just been a, such a huge gaping hole. Yeah, I think it's I think there's no doubt about it that it's a whole I'm interested. I'm I think it's kind of interesting because like I wonder what happens in the playoffs, man. Like let's say they don't make a trade. I wonder how much Andre's gonna be playing. I wonder how much Kelly's gonna be playing. I feel like he's gonna get like 10 minutes a game yeah, in the playoffs, kind of similar to what happened to him last year. Like there's only so much you could play him. And so it's interesting. It seems like that's you know be the unresolved problem all year unless they do make a trade. And and by the way, PJ Tucker is just sitting right there, baby. Right. I mean, he is sitting there waiting to be traded, waiting to be taken from a winning team because he's not re-signing with Houston. Tillman Fertitta does not want to re-sign those guys. And look, we can get into Oladipo another time, but oh my God, like it just makes so much sense that it almost hurts, right? Yeah. Like if you're a Heat fan, you look at those two guys like, oh my God, two two-way players. And that's been such a thing that, by the way, me and Ethan would talk about last season all the time was their lack of two-way players. Like they have a bunch of guys who can play uh, one end of the floor. And it's a similar problem again this year. Like it's the same yeah. thing. It and creates so I think an identity crisis when you have like, you, are you a three-point shooting finesse team or do you want to be the defensive grit team? You know, it's like you can't really land on one. Yeah, and, and that's why, I like, you know, from obviously from a transaction standpoint, Oladipo and Sucker just seem like the perfect fits for what they need. You know, point of attack defense, another scorer, the four that you want next to Bam, even though obviously that's not long-term since Tucker's on the older side, that's a win-now move. And that's what the Heat are is a win-now team with Jimmy and Bam there playing the way they are and them getting to the finals last year. So I think that's obviously just kind of the move that everybody, you know, or a lot of people would want. But I'm interested to see what happens with the four, man, because like they were really there at their best when they were switching last year. And I think that's kind of what makes Bam even more special is when he's switching more than dropping, even though I'm, I'm good with him dropping. But when they're switching against some of these teams with, you know, multiple superstar talents like, uh, you know, the superstar perimeter talents like the Nets, like the Celtics or yeah. a, a, a bigger team with the Bucks, like you're going to need versatile guys on defense. And I, I, so this is the final point that I wanted to make about, the team how it is now. I believe that last year's team was quote unquote better, more all around because they had Crowder there. It was a very nice, you know, they could always throw a nice group of guys to close out a game that you feel pretty confident about, but they have more good defensive players on this team than they did last year. And I feel confident about that just because they can throw, you know, if there's a guard giving them a problem, you could throw Avery Bradley on him and he still got yeah. it, man. Like, what I've seen from him, he could still really move around on the floor and guard guys. Uh, now, when Bam comes off the floor, you've got somebody in the interior with Precious who, you know, he's not he's not a defensive player of the year. He's a rookie. He's not perfect. But he really helps on that interior de uh, defense that was a problem for them last year. You know, they obviously downgraded at the four. But if you're just talking about straight volume of guys who can defend, they have more. They still have Iguodala. They added KZ. I mean, you know, KZ is playing now. And they added Mo Harkless. So I think, like, Obviously, KZ and Harkless aren't doing it there. Those aren't guys that you can rely on. But I, I think that was kind of the blueprint. It's like, okay, we'll figure out a mesh. We'll figure out the right combination of these guys. Yeah. It's uh, like they thought someone was going to pop. Yeah. I think they're still waiting on that. And look, KZ has been inconsistent, but I'm glad we got a good amount of him tonight. I think that's good for his confidence. 
I like what we see from him on defense, man. Like he's not Justice Winslow. He's not this elite, amazing defender right up from the start. But look, he is long. He is really putting effort on defense there. He still gets caught on screen and stuff like that. You know, rookie sophomore mistakes. But I like it, man. Like I think he should. I'm still in the camp that he should be getting 10, 15 minutes a game at that three or four spot and just see if you can grow him into that if you're not going to trade him. Agreed. And over Harkless, for sure. I mean, maybe you try to establish some value in Harkless, but at this point I've kind of moved on from that um, as being a viable, like real plug-and-play option the way Jay Crowder was. So I think ultimately where we can close tonight is that uh, you can look forward to, I think personally, you can look forward to a transaction similar to last offs or last trade deadline. Maybe not where you're like shedding a bunch of salary that you don't want. Cause Miami doesn't have those kind of undesirable contracts um, where you're surrendering an asset to get rid of JJ and Dion, like they did with Memphis. But I think a consolidation type move with all these expirings is just inevitable to bring in a better front court pairing with, uh, Bam, and let's hope so because um, uh, I think with Jimmy back and Avery back, get that man some help. Yeah, get that man some help because he has no ceiling, and we need uh, the guys around him to uh, have a little bit higher ceilings as well. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back for the rest of the week uh, as the Heat play pregame, postgame shows on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us there, um, and have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.